Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The St. Louis Zoo closed its doors to the public on March 17th, but it's not closed entirely. Zookeepers, after all, are an essential workforce. They keep animals fed, their, their environments habitable, and their minds stimulated. And that's even while they keep at least six feet away from each other. And while that work is happening behind closed doors, the zoo is letting us watch. It's doing that through social media and the hashtag bring the STL zoo to you. Let's listen. All right, everybody. Since the zoo is going to be closed for a while, we're going to be going virtual. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to be on social media every day so our fans at home can still see us and know we're okay. I'm going to get so many retweets. Ooh, ooh, and more followers. Ah, the influencer life. And joining us to talk about it today is Michael Masek. He is the director of the St. Louis Zoo. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. So, Michael, you became the zoo's director last year, and, and you'd been there before you were its COO. But I have to imagine when you thought about your first year as the director, you didn't imagine a period like this where there'd be literally no one going to the zoo to see the animals. That's that's true. I mean, I, I have actually been working at zoos. Um, this is my third zoo for probably 36 plus years. And lots of things happen at the zoo, you can imagine. Lots of things most people wouldn't expect. But certainly this is a, a, an incredibly extraordinary time for of course, not just zoos, but all of us. So yes, I, I never thought we'd have a day um, or weeks, um, rather, where we would have no visitors at all, but at least not real visitors. We have lots of virtual visitors, and that's what we're focusing on now to continue to uh, to uh, uh, spread our mission and get the word out and uh, have a little bit of fun for people who are stuck at home. And before we check in on that mission and all the ways people can connect with you, I am kind of curious about your workforce. Um, how much much has the number of people who are on site on a daily basis been changed by all this? Oh, dramatically. We're, we're down to, we're operating exclusively on essential personnel now, and we do have some experience with that. We, there's weather events that we might, for a day, close the zoo, and we only call in essential personnel, but of course, this isn't just a day. So that staff is a slightly larger, but I would, um, I would say that our staff on any given day probably has dropped about, oh, 85%. Mm. Now, has that meant any layoffs, or are people just uh, working from home at this point? The, the latter. From this point, they're just working from home. Um, there's lots of things that we can do, and particularly during this quiet time that we never seem to have the opportunity to find the time to do. Mm. So um, we're keeping busy people busy at home, and again, only essential personnel are coming in. And that's prim primarily animal care staff, nutritionists, animal health. Um, we have security and a handful of others because of the, the duration of this period. Of course, we have some horticulture staff that are coming in occasionally, but doing just essential work and then leaving and, and maintaining, of course, all the social distancing and other, other um, COVID-19 practices that we have in place. Now, I'm wondering if being closed to the public has changed in, in fundamental ways the way that you care for these animals. Like now that the rest of us aren't standing around, are there different practices that are, are being put in place because it just makes sense now? 
Not not necessarily. No, animals animals like routine to mm-hmm. a degree. So um, the same level of animal care is there. Um, we're still doing enrichment. Um, if there's operant conditioning where we're training animals to do certain things for procedures to be weighed, et cetera, we're still doing that every single day. It's important to be consistent. So so no, I do, I do not think that the the level of care has really changed at all. Um, or the keepers are not with their animals as long, mm-hmm. so they're 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 not here necessarily for eight hours, um, but they're probably here between four and six. Okay, so there's a, a nice chunk of time in there where yeah. they're getting to check in. Yeah. It, is there any fear of exposing animals to the coronavirus? That might be a really dumb question, but I find myself no. wondering how that no. works. No, it's not a dumb question at all. In fact, um, it, it, this is a coronavirus, so it is an animal-borne virus, um, and we are always really concerned about what we call zoonotic diseases, and these are diseases that can jump between animals and people. Usually, we're more, we're more concerned about what happened in this event something going from an animal to a human. Mm -hmm. Now, in its current form, what we know, there does not seem to be any spread from the human back to the animals. But we are taking precautions in some areas. Um, There are some areas that we take those precautions anyway because there are other zoonotic diseases that might be be, endemic to a certain species but you can imagine for the primates for example the great apes we're taking some special precautions there mm-hmm. that's good to know and, and it's good to know at this point um, you know we don't know of any direct problems related to that um, yeah. we're, we're talking to Michael Masek who is the director of the St. Louis Zoo and if you have questions for him about zoo operations um, during this pandemic or what you've seen on their wonderful social media campaign uh, we want to encourage you to give us a call we're at 314 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Michael, I understand you were walking the zoo grounds the other day with a colleague. And of course, you were six feet apart when you were doing that. We, we want to stipulate. That's right. Uh, but I understand you noticed a handful of animals were acting differently. What did you see? Yeah, my colleague actually was um, Luis Padilla, Dr. Luis Padilla, the vice president of animal collection. So we were walking the zoo grounds, you know, kind of rallying the troops if we saw any out and about, of course, always maintaining that social distancing. And Luis pointed out that he had noticed that um, some of the animals were acting a little differently and, and differently, meaning that they were more interested in us than in, than they normally would be. Of course, you know, if we have 20,000 people on any given day, um, the animals do interact with the, with our guests and they um, some of them seem to like it. Some of them, they might like it for a while and then it might just become something like white noise. Well, it's so quiet here now that we found that, for example, the prairie dogs um, were very interested in us as we, as we walked by and they all kind of came over to the glass and, and we, we've seen that in a few other species as well. Now, again, they, they're interested interacting with their keeper staff, but, you know, when they're out in the habitat on the public side, it's very quiet on that side. So they're, they just seem very interested in anybody who might be walking around. So I think they miss our guests a bit. Well, that's really good to know that they're not just um, celebrating that we're gone. They're, they're maybe looking forward to seeing the two of you walk towards them. At least the prairie dogs are. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's true in general. I mean, the animals that have live here at the zoo, many of them have been born here. They've spent, this, this is their normal and something is 
isn't normal now. So, mm-hmm. um, so what, so, and, and that not being normal, that, that piece is people not being there. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. But for the most part, all the animals are doing really well. Um, our, our level of care and welfare has not changed at all. And, um, no, no concerns at the moment with regards to any of the, uh, any of the animals in our care. Now, I understand that some of the animals um, have been able to take some tours of their own. You're not the only one walking around mm-hmm. the zoo these days. What have been some of the animals that you've chosen for that? Yeah, so our um, our alpaca certainly have gone for walks. Uh, I believe we've had some, um, uh, the penguins have uh, come out of their habitats, so the keepers have let them out within the Penguin and Puffin Coast to visit some of the other penguins. We have a dwarf, um, it's called a zebu, which is kind of a dwarf cow, and it's going going for a little walk this afternoon. Um, so you can imagine it's mostly the animals that are handleable or uh, the domestic animals from the children's zoo that can do this. But the penguins would be one exception where we they were able to come out. You might remember we used to do penguin parades on the outside. Um, the penguins would come out in the wintertime. We don't do those any longer, but the animals were used to coming out and walking around. So hmm. they can do that now. Have you considered any animals thinking, oh, you know, it might be nice to have this one go visit somewhere and just realized, you know what, in terms of this animal or in terms of some of these logistics, this is probably not a good idea. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, now, that would fall mostly to the animal care staff, and they know the species well. They know their individuals. So, But I, I think they are tr- they're thinking all the time, you know, what can we do under these circumstances that might be, A, you know, fun for the public and B, fun for the animals. And so when you're doing these kind of visits, these are the kind of things that you're posting on social media, like, let's get to watch these penguins take a walk. Yeah, that's right. We were doing a, a variety of, like, e-learning videos and just some fun things. Um, Bubbles, who is our little dwarf zebu cow, they'll be going for a walk later today. You'll be able to watch her do that. Um, but yeah, we're trying to share some of those fun things, fun enrichment. Um, we had a little contest called Monkey Mania, which I think we're down to our, our last two f- uh, final contestants, where um, we were asking our, our virtual guests to to choose their favorite um, primate, and we're down to two now, the Francois Langer and the Cotton Top Tamarin, and there'll be another vote today, and then the winner will be the champion, and, and we'll then feature that animal on our um, social media um, um, uh, uh, venues like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and STL Zoo too. So some high stakes here. Um, (laughs) This could make or break these animals. Yeah, we're trying to do some learning, I would say, online as well. We have we just had our first 20 minute um, learning webinar um, that was on April 1st yesterday, I guess, um, focusing on um, April Fool's. So it was about animal magic and we'll continue to do those every single Wednesday. Um, And we're just going to be our our education team is, you know, working hard to think of uh, new ways we can engage our our guests. And um, so there's more to come. Now, you mentioned this dwarf zebu cow, and I'm sure I'm not alone in never Mm -hmm. having heard of a dwarf zebu cow. Is part of this a chance to maybe expose those of us who only think about lions and tigers and bears and all the, the sexy animals to think about, hey, there's a lot more here than just these guys you've already heard of. Absolutely. In fact, we were having a conversation just the other day about some of our live cams, and at the moment we have a penguin live cam, and we're looking to see what other animals we can put up live, and one of our animal care um, uh, uh, staff mentioned, well, why don't we do something that people don't usually pay much attention to, like, you know, leafcutter ants or maybe a species of bird, one of those things that we don't, uh, our guests don't necessarily think are as charismatic, but are really an opportunity to get an up close with something they might not 
normally visit with when they come to the zoo. Charismatic is, is definitely a better word than sexy, right? When I heard you say that, I'm thinking, yes, that is that is the kind of animal we're talking about here. Um, but um, I guess some of the problem with social media, though, is people are always interested in the thing they already know about. It can be hard to get people to connect with something where they're like, ant cutters, I want to see the elephants. I mean, is it kind of a balance where you also have to give people the charismatic animal that's already on their radar? Oh, oh sure, absolutely. We want to give them options, but I think in many ways it's it's easier to direct someone's attention by 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 virtually um, because we're providing the you know we're providing that peek into the zoo versus somebody who might have four hours to come to the zoo on any given day. They visit their favorite animals and they're then they're gone. Mm-hmm. We can control that a little bit, but yeah, we we still want to give our our viewers options, um, but we could also direct what they're looking at a little bit as well. Now you've got this um, daily blog, and you're using that in part to direct people towards certain things. I understand mm-hmm. that today's blog post showed painted dogs. Uh, what were the painted dogs doing in this um, in this blog post? They were eating a bone. They were really finishing off a bone. Painted dogs are pack hunters, and um, we uh, a bone for them would be a, would be a treat. And we do try to give them larger pieces of of meat and bone. And so today was a bone, and <laughs> um, and they can they. Can do damage on a bone in no time at all. So that's what we were. That's what we were posting today. So that might be a, an example of something where we don't even realize we're interested in painted dogs, but seeing them take on an activity like that—that's a—that's an interesting connection right there. Yeah, that's right. And and you know the truth is that you know um, one of the challenges we have with our guests is that you know animals aren't always active. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're just like us. They spend, in fact, carnivores who spend a lot of time hunting, they spend a lot of time sleeping, and they're not moving around much. So so you might come to the zoo and not really notice an animal because it's, you know, under, you know, shade or something resting. But this is an opportunity for us to really, you know, because we're capturing via film, share these sort of unique things that are happening every day at the zoo, but people don't necessarily get to see it um, because they're just not in the right place at the right time. And the hashtag for that, if you want to check this out um, on Twitter or on Facebook, it's a hashtag bring the STL zoo to you. Um, One of the other things that you featured on your blog, I thought was pretty interesting. I think this was yesterday, um, and you showed the Caribbean flamingos as they made their way back to their summer home. They have two different homes. Yeah, so um, because they are a warm weather species, they um, probably they come in about November, I would say, and then go out in March. So for um, what is that? For five months out of the year, they actually have a summer holding area, a winter holding area. I'm sorry, and then they go out in March and will stay out usually till about early November. Hmm. And I understand that to get them from from point A to point B, they're carried by hand. Is that true? They are carried by hand. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, that's often a very popular um, activity here at the zoo. It's a popular day when the flamingos are coming out. It's a short walk, but nevertheless, they yeah, they're they're carried by their animal care. And givers. why is that? I mean, are they such divas? They need the the sort of like individual uh, you know touch to get them there. Or? No, I, I think we're just we just want to make sure they get there. Um, like, like any animal, they have a mind of their own. And if ah. we just, you put them on the ground and let them walk where they, they might, um, they might not go exactly where we want them to. So it's just to make sure that they get there safely. Uh, 
that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the flamingos, they do consent to yeah. being carried. They don't mind that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like I said, it's a, it's a short walk. Like you said, they are divas, so they have a bit of an avid attitude. So I'm not sure how much they like it, but it's, it's a brief, uh, it's very brief. <laughs> now, you know, you've been posting all this stuff online, and certainly people are spending more time online than we were before all this. Now that we can't go to the zoo, we have all this time on our hands. Have you had a, a, a moment go viral yet um, from this new hashtag? Yes, I think one of our first uh, uh, posting that I'm aware of was um, when the penguins went to visit, uh, or humble penguins went to visit some of the other penguins, and I believe that that really went viral in no time at all. So, and that, and you know, we get good coverage with our social media, regardless. But we are certainly seeing numbers much, much higher than we ever have in the past. And you know, everybody, we're all just eager for some diversion. Um, and with all the children at home and parents trying to keep them busy, it's it's no wonder that um, you. Know, we're getting some some great participation with our um, social media feeds. I saw with those penguins, there was just a lot of commentary on it, and, and people were just loving it. I did see some people say, though, oh, these poor penguins, it's going to be hard to go back now that they've seen that there's such a world outside of, of where they're at. Are you worried about that at all, that this taste of broader freedom might just make it depressing uh, mm. once they're, they're confined the way we're now confined? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I mean, their they're home spaces, as I mentioned earlier, earlier animals are very um, they like um, they're very habituated sort of uh, creatures so they like to have a routine they they have their home um, they have their home ranges so all animals have a home base uh, just like you and I do so they like to go back to their home mm. um, they're all territorial so they always uh, so yeah I think you know it's a nice diversion for them but they feel comfortable when they come back home and are you worried at all that when the noise level in the zoo um, will go back to normal. I mean, you mentioned how quiet it is there. That that's going to be an adjustment to have to go back to having all of us uh, stop by for a visit. It's going to be interesting for the animals, but I think it will be a very quick adjustment. Like I said, they've, you know, most all the animals here, many of them were born here. Um, they're used to those certain levels, and we don't really know what opening back up will look like either. So, I mean, uh, no, nobody really does, right? I mean, will it be a sort of gradual thing? Will we still have to limit those numbers, or will we just be opening those doors? And we don't know the answer to that yet but but to your put your question i think i think they'll find it interesting for a while and then then frankly i think it'll just be another normal day mm-hmm. so one last question for you and it's, it's i guess kind of the unanswerable thing in all this but it's something everybody's thinking about um are you worried about an impact on the zoo's finances um from what's been happening economically in the region yeah, well, we're certainly looking at a lot of different scenarios where we're, we're talking closely with our colleagues within the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, with his, which is our accrediting organization. I was on a call the other day with the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums talking with a, con- a colleague from Hong Kong, and they've been dealing with this since early January. So mm-hmm. so we don't really know. It's their extraordinary times. We are working through various scenarios, but, you know, I'm confident that we're going to get through this. Uh, the community has always supported us, and I'm sure that, um, that that they will continue to make sure that we're able to keep the zoo's mission alive and well. Mm. Well, St. Louis Zoo Director Michael Masek, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And that hashtag again is uh, bring the STL Zoo to you, or you can just look at the zoo's Twitter feed or their Facebook page. Those are very popular places to hang out these days. So it's the kind of content we need. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.